Hey, I'm Armory1417, ScrewballGaming.com, and you're watching Scene World. Welcome to the Scene World podcast. This is Frank. I'm your. How's it going? Yeah. And he's rocking with me the intro section again. Um, because in a minute, we, Dennis and I will be talking to Mike Jarrett and Vince Daisy about the console release of Postal 4 that was actually released at the beginning of April. Um, that was a very interesting one that I did with, with Dennis because I had no idea about the series and its history, but Dennis knew it, so he, he took the torch there and led the interview, I would say. Yeah. All right. The postal's been long running. It's, it's, uh, do you remember off the top of your head when the first postal came out? 1997, I believe. Late 90s. Sounds about right. <laughs> you are testing me. <laughs> I think I think it was um, 1997 from the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, news. So one of the news would be that you have been right because in the last news section you said E3 might be cancelled. And actually, unfortunately, you have been right. It has been cancelled. Yeah, actually, last time we talked about it, I was pretty optimistic. I, I thought E3 was going to bounce back, but I was I was definitely wrong. Uh, I was trying to be optimistic. I, I figured they could pull something off, but, I mean, it does make sense with all the big hitters, you know, dipping mm -hmm. out. Yeah. But this, the same happened with Gamescom last year, um, which is the biggest one and, and, and happened to be in Germany, Cologne. But despite that, this year, many publishers who canceled last year actually announced they will be at Gamescom this year. So, kind of. I mean, of course, now that E3 is canceled, there's not much alternative anymore. Well, I, I honestly, it's just been the shift to doing digital showcases. I think we discussed this last time too. Like the Nintendo Direct really changed the approach that these companies are going mm. for. Yeah. And BlizzCon online and such stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hmm. Anyway, I'm looking forward to be at Gamescom in um, in August again. I actually booked my train to Cologne in March, so I will definitely be there. And we will represent Scene World. Um, in the retro area and have a booth running and make interviews again so this will be nice because last year i skipped um yeah and interestingly about the topic e3 the verge actually made it even more on top they said and it isn't coming back so they ah, well claim... they haven't confirmed that just yet i mean yeah well they claim they may get a convention they next think... year yeah I mean, well, I'm trying to remember the name of the company that took over for E3 or was going to take over this year. Uh, I believe they're the same people who run like the Star Wars conventions. Uh, oh. I, I, the name is just drawing a blank, but 
Uh, I believe this was going to be their first year hosting it, and they're a company that has experience with these types of... We could ask Alexa. Alexa, which company <laughs> is hosting E3? Thank you. Okay, so that that wasn't wasn't very much help. <laughs> so it's the ESA. Yeah. Um, did you hear it actually? Was it loud yeah, enough? Yeah, I could. I could hear. It, it okay, was quiet, good. but loud enough. Okay. Well, I can make it louder in the post production. Yeah, hey. Yeah. Well. The moment um, um, the moment Alexa learned to speak more than one language, I was like, gotcha, now I can talk to Alexa in two languages, hey, and make everybody giggle. Like, hey, she can speak English. I'm like, yeah, she can. I don't talk um, to Alexa in any language. <laughs> you don't have one, I see. No, I mean, <laughs> I have devices that support Alexa. I just choose, I don't use them. It's just like Google Voice uh, Assistant. I don't use that oh, either. Right, right. Hmm. Anyway, let's see if The Verge is right um, with their assumption that E3 isn't coming back. We will see about that. Perhaps it will be a revival, or as I said, perhaps it will be digital only. Who knows? Or I, I mean, E3 definitely needs to restructure. It's just a matter of figuring out that sweet point between you know media yeah. outlets and opening it to the public. Yeah, that would be another <coughs> alternative. Sorry, <coughs> that would be another alternative. Opening to the public, and not make it vendors only. Well, they already opened it up to the public. Their they last uh, on-floor show was open to the public. Ah, didn't know that. Okay, interesting. But I know a lot of uh, media outlets were were not very happy with how it was handled. So, if if they choose to go that route again, if it even happens again, they mm. need to restructure for sure. I see. Hmm. Well, on the positive sides, we have some new things coming up. There is a new indie mag called Debug Magazine. That's quite interesting about indie game development. Um, yeah, that's something. I, I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. I've actually been on a kick lately reading some old school EGMs and Nintendo Powers. And I, I like to go through them and like, try to find some old classics I've never heard of before, or maybe I just never played. So an indie game-based magazine that's going to focus on indie games, that's great. Because there's yeah. so many of them coming out these days. True, true. With indie being so big nowadays, yeah. It's it's just hard to keep track of them. So if maybe some of these lesser-known indies can get a spotlight in this magazine. They can get more notoriety. And uh, speaking about indie, there is a new game coming out as a demo soon on Steam, and that's called SP Grand Prix, and it's going to be a Formula One game based on retro graphic, retro vectors for the PC, obviously, because it's on, on Steam soon. So that will be interesting. Yeah, Speaking so actually, of, yeah. I tried the alpha out for that you last did? night. Yeah, so yeah. Um, the developer, Raz Bazi, is I believe how it's pronounced. He actually has an alpha version on his itch page. So if, if this is a little PSA for anybody interested, 
If uh, you want to play SP Grand Prix, uh, he has it on his itch page right now. I think it's itch.io slash Rosbazi. And it's like a 0.6 alpha, I think. So it's a little bit rough. Like um, my vehicle actually ended up going on top of another vehicle. And I was just kind of like riding the other car, uh, which was was amusing. But it's a bug that needs to be worked out. But it's in early stages of development. Yeah. And Sega announced a plus edition of Sonic Origins. And it's available on June 23rd. Both digital and physical. Right, yeah. This the first edition. time Sonic Origins yeah. is going to be physical. Which but, that's... but I had a look. The physical is not for PC. PC is Steam only, digital only. The physical release, I believe, is only for console. I didn't look I into that, but that, that probably makes sense since most physical PC games are just a case with a code in it these days anyway. Or you have crazy stuff like Flight Simulator, <laughs> which, yeah, which, true. which comes on, on six DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> and the first DVD you need because it has a copy protection on it. So, hey, you see? Hmm. I See, I have... I never played the old school flight sims. I didn't start trying it out until the most recent one in 2020. Same, same. Except I I, I always liked Flight Simulator 2 on the Commodore 64 playing with my <laughs> grandfather. But, well, that's way be, be before your time. Yeah. Um, but but I got this I got this super, nowadays super rare German edition with the German flight manual. And of course, it was only the manual in German. The whole program was was only in English. I mean, it was uh, 1984. Nobody translated software into into German, except something like Wright processors or something, or Geos. But other than so that, so it's just kind of rare to get something that was translated to German like back then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And and it's rare because. Obviously, there are not many copies left. So when when I got the chance to get um, a complete version with the flight manual and the maps and so on for um, for the Commodore 64, I grabbed my chance. You know, I was like, got to get that. You know, um, and over the recent years, I also got the scenery discs. So that's pretty nice. <laughs> it's a bit like Test Drive 2 where you have car discs and scenery discs so you could expand the game those the old fashioned DLC just buy a new pack of discs with more data on it. You know. Well, I remember I vaguely remember you know like the like the, I want to say like early 2000s you'd get those expansion discs and it, that was pretty much DLC before you know digital rights Online. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um we actually we have one more thing of news, don't we? Related to the Commodore 64. Um well, at least related at least relay yeah, well, there is an there is a remake pla- planned of well actually there is a remake actually being done by David Botino and that is of Toki for the Commodore 64. The interesting thing about uh, the Commodore 64 version of Toki is that until recently there was no there was no crack of the game with music because there was so much data in in the game that they only released it on cartridge because they would have to do um, bank switching 
to get all the data running while the game is playing. So all all the cracks, and I think until fairly recently, only contained the game, but no music. So the music, so the, the game was basically mute. Now, was Toki ever officially released on the C64? Yeah. Yes. So yes, this, that, so that this was is... the official cartridge release. Yeah. So is Davide, is he remaking it or is he it's remastering a remake. it? It's, 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 well. Um, like is he using the original game's code or is he developing no, no, he, scratch? He's doing it. He is, he's remake, he's um, remaking it. Not, he's not really doing the original code from what I've Okay, what I've so he's doing it from the ground up. From the ground up, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of ties into what we talked about last time, too, with these homebrew developers making ports of games for different consoles, or in this case, remaking games. Mm. Okay, okay, he calls it on his Twitter, he calls it remaster. So it actually oh. could use the original So codes. he probably is using it, yeah. Yeah. What he basically did on Twitter is... Um, posting GIF animations, comparing the old graphics and the new graphics. So they have lightning, shadows, and all those things. So it's basically a graphical revamp, revamped version with the knowledge we have nowadays about the computer, you know? Okay. That's pretty, I've, I've seen quite a few mods like that. Like I know people have done that with like the original Super Mario Bros. They've gone back and like, Re redone all the sprite work and i think that's pretty cool and you mentioned that the c64 version has issues so if he's able well, to tackle not, that like the not, limitations not down issues, too not issues by the original game but issues by the crackers because okay. of course of course if you crack if you crack a game you wouldn't release it on cartridge of course because even especially back in the 80s 90s that would be very much expensive and back then and back then you didn't have sufficient loader techniques like you have nowadays so that is why they use the easy path and simply removing the music because that, that makes sense. basically the part that uh, wouldn't fit on a disc well not fitting on a disc, but not fitting in the memory while all the other assets are running in. So the problem is, well, you only have 64K of memory. And from how I understand it, that cartridge games can use bank switching. So they're using, they're using the RAM expansions like a RAM disc. So you can switch memory banks while the game, while the program is running. And, and it's so fast that you literally have no loading time. So this is basically how it works. There's another game that had that had similar issues. That was the ocean release of Double Dragon for the cartridge. That was also a cartridge only release. And um, there, there until 12 years ago, wasn't even a crack because the data would only uh, fit on a cartridge. They made then a cracked version, a golden crack, and they resolved it this way that every time the memory is full, the game stops for a fraction of a second, then the screen goes blank, 
and the disk is loading, the new data in, and then the game continues. So it kind of has like a, a stutter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it's only for a fraction of a second because IHQ loaders are so fast nowadays. This is how it's basically done. Yeah. Well, there are not many games that were released on a cartridge only, basically because of the of the cost back then to make RAM RAM discs than to release the game on cartridge. It was more expensive and. Um, Countries like UK only preferred data set releases anyway because they were cheaper than, than the disk releases. You know. So anyway, this is basically the problem of of the times back then. Nowadays prices are so cheap nobody nobody cares anymore. Yeah. This is how things change. Well no, as technology advances, prices go down, makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, and um, there's another another news. Um, um, Moya, Jackie, McCrew. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Extended the Amiga Game Jam 2022 competition. So the competition from last year. And um, if you want to. If you want to well supply prizes for the competition, you actually can email her. So she wrote her email. Um, that would be Arcade Kemi. Arcade and then Kemi C A M Y at gmail.com. So if you have some spare Amiga stuff you want to give away for the winners of the competition, there you go. And then if you want to check out the jam itself, it's on itch.io slash jam slash A-M-I-G-A-M-E-J-A-M. Exactly. Exactly. And so at the time of recording this, <laughs> it's still three months and 13 days left. So Plenty of time. So it's July 31st, 4 p.m. Well, Australian time, obviously. Because she's from Australia, so keep that in mind. Yeah. And let's see. Yeah, other news. Yeah, well, I also got... Well, there is a news about YouTube, actually. YouTube rolled out a podcast functionality. That means now we also have statistics. So if, the, if you guys watch the video version of our podcast episodes like this one here, you can actually, well, go to the playlist and if you play it from the playlist, it goes into statistics for our YouTube version of the podcast officially. Hey, that means if you watch this, don't like, don't forget to like and subscribe <laughs> and activate the bell icon, right? So you get a notification by email or on your smartphone when a new video is released. Yay. I mean, this change doesn't just benefit creators, too. It also kind of like streamlines searches for people looking for podcasts. And I, yeah, it kind of just, true. it's overall, it's like organizational updates on the YouTube platform as true. a whole. I mean, as somebody who consumes a lot of podcasts through YouTube specifically, I'm perfectly cool with this change. I think it's definitely needed 
especially with how many more podcasts keep coming out in these days. True. And a lot of a lot of them actually die out. I mean, there are many podcasts I saw that give up after the third episode. Well, I mean, I, I feel like like on YouTube as a platform specifically, uh, podcasts kind of just blend in with longer form videos. So mm -hmm. for people specifically looking for a podcast, something that they can experience with either video or just audio, I, I think that the changes that YouTube's rolling out are actually something that should have been added a while ago. Considering yeah. the popularity of podcasts True. really expanded during COVID. True. There were some tries, though, that failed. For example, Facebook shut down their podcast service again. Well, isn't, isn't Facebook notorious, though? Or, I'm sorry, Meta, notorious for shutting down things a little early? Uh, right. Hmm. I thought Google was known for that. Oh, they Pardon are me, too. Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm a, at least Google made right. I was one of those people who bought a Google Stadia, never used it. I think I used it for like the three month trial that you get for Ooh. getting the Premier Edition. Okay. Uh, but what was really nice, and I definitely didn't expect, was Google refunding people for their purchases. So I actually got refunded for purchasing the controller with the Chromecast which was the premier edition. It was a white controller. And, th and that's just something that's very pro-consumer, and I wasn't expecting that. So kudos to Google for that. And they released a firmware update to make the controller working on PC. Yep. Now you can use it officially as a PC controller on, like, Steam or Epic. Yeah. yeah. It is a really nice controller. I mean, I can't say I've had that much hands-on with it, but well, it is cool. And Knowing that there's a firmware update, I'm going to mess around with it. My main controller is still <laughs> the Xbox 360 controller from 2008. Oh, yeah. I and, don't have any controllers around and during, me. During the pandemic, um, the rubber from the um, sticks, they the rubber actually degraded, so I replaced it. Yeah, thank, thankfully, the 360 controller is really easy to take apart. It is, yeah. It's really and simple. I still have a wired USB 360 controller, too, because there's a couple of weird games on Steam that like yeah. won't support the Xbox One controller, but they work really? fine with a USB 360 okay, controller. Hmm. Yeah, it's something to do with like the framework behind the scenes, like how the game runs. It was just there. It's usually an issue with older games that predated Steam. If that's any consolation. Interestingly, though, I bought this from Amazon Germany one week before the USB PC version was removed from the market. And nice. One week after, they only had the wireless versions. So the corded ones, they removed it from the market. I mean, they do have the adapter that you could get. So you could plug in, you can use a wireless 360 on PC, but. I've I've always preferred if I'm gonna go with a wired controller of some kind, I'm I think that's better yet. Well, it was a native PC release of this mm -hmm. controller. Oh, I uh, remember those controllers. I remember they uh, had them specifically marketed as PC controllers. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a it was exact controller. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing, but they had different yeah. packaging. Yeah. Here, my mouse, Mac version, just a different color. You know? And um 
Oh no, that's actually not true. It's the PC version, but there's also a Mac version, and the only difference is it doesn't come with a dongle. Because it's just Bluetooth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So not even that. It it does it does support the Logitech Bolt technology, but the the uh, bulk dongle, uh, the Bolt Bolt dongle is just not included in the package. Oh, so and, like Bolt. So you mean like the what is it? What did they call it? It's the unifying adapters, right? That, so you could just like yeah, buy a different yeah, well, adapter well, to use. The unified adapter was this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but Got the, the bolt icon. Yeah, but the bolt one with the Cree icon that was released last year. The bolt is actually an encrypted dongle for their business line controllers. That means. You cannot simply pair it with the new dongle. You have to go to the software from Logitech and may and make gestures based on instructions on the screen to to um, confirm that you are owner of this dongle. So it's an extra layer of of security. That means the transaction is transcripted. Yeah, and they call this bold. So this is why this is why the new models that's that here is the MX Master 3S is actually for business. Yeah, they actually um, discontinued the consumer line. <laughs> it's as expensive. The only difference is just the encryption. And which has its added benefits. Yeah. Well, this means because I'm also using it when working from home from my work laptop that to pair to pair the um, dongle for my work laptop with my mouse, I first had to connect it to the PC because on my work laptop, I don't have private software on it, obviously. But without the software, you cannot pair the device because you need to enable the encryption, encryption yeah. by using gestures. Gestures means left right left right left and right that's kind of <laughs> annoying yeah it's it it takes a while to get used to it and if you make a mistake you have to do it again obviously so <laughs> i first first time i needed like three tries until i got it working like damn i made a wrong click you know it's a bit like are you human and you make the wrong choice and then they are repeating with a different question i'm like nah you know yeah. Well, and um, the last news on my list is we had Minet Mina Becker as guests a while ago, two times actually, and now Mina Becker is actually working with the German publisher Weltenbruch um, on German pirate stories. And the thing is, if you have an idea for a pirate story, you can actually participate and send in story ideas. So if you are German and you like pirate stories, perhaps that's something for you. And so keep in mind, it. these are in German. So like, if you're yeah. like me and you don't speak German or read German, you're not going to be able to read it. Yeah, obviously not. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> so that would be that would be all my news, actually. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much short story. week this week. 
<laughs> well, you didn't add to the discussion to make it not as long as last time. Nice. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, well, so that means now we go to the Postal 4 guys and have the interview there. See you then. Excuse me. <coughs> today we have another two guests in our podcast and today we are talking to Mike Sherrod and Vince Stacy from Running With This Us. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. Awesome yeah, to have you here. Us. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Nice to have you here. And um, yeah, and with, with me today is Dennis. Uh, he is, well, our expert on Postal, because we will yeah. be talking about Postal 4 today. Yeah, I've, I've grown up with Postal, and it's amazing to have you two guys here. You made me. You um, you fucked up my mind when I was young, and uh, thank you very much. You seem like you turned out okay. We approve yeah. you as your father. <laughs> awesome. Hey, quickly, where are you guys? I'm in, you know, actually right now, Mike J and I, we're both in Tucson. He's at home, I'm at home. But where are you guys ex specifically? I'm from Hamburg, Germany, and I think Jörg, you are in um... Mannheim. Mannheim, yeah, in the near of Heidelberg, one hour from Frankfurt. I've been to Frankfurt and I've been to Hamburg, but that was in '72. I don't oh. think you. Oh. I don't think you guys were around. No. No, no, not yet, not yet. But, um... That was ten years before our time. Yeah. <laughs> what What you been doing there in in the '70s? I was what would some people would consider to be a hippie with a backpack, making my way across nice. Europe. Nice, nice. So I think you had a lot of crazy experiences in '70s Germany, right? Um, it was it was actually I I liked it a lot. I mean, I spent about ten days in Frankfurt uh, in an apartment a friend of mine had, and yeah. he went back to the states, so I had his apartment, cool. and then from there we went over to Hamburg and eventually you know all around Denmark blah 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 right. but it was a, it was you know big trip I was 19 I guess something like that cool cool German people were very great I mean even then you know it was cool thanks for that thanks <laughs> for that glad you're here yeah <laughs> all righty well so perhaps let's start with whoever wants to start how did you get involved in making computer games and postal in the first place? Who wants to start? I'll let well, let's start on that one. I'm, I'm a little, a little older. Um, I, I got involved because in uh, the early '80s, I was a headhunter. That means it's kind of like I mean it's a term for a recruiter, and I was doing that for what back then was called management information systems which were mostly IBM mainframes, uh, mid-frame <coughs> mid computers, and then microcomputers micro is what it was called, was all very new. Apple had just come out. Uh, so I got involved in that. And really what happened was Atari, the original Atari, was sold, I believe it was in 79, to Warner Brothers long before they were Time Warner. And one of the key uh, individuals moved from Silicon Valley to New York. 
He was a Jewish dude from Chicago. His wife was Jewish from New York. So he had to do what his wife wanted, which meant came back to New York. And Warner was happy because Warner Brothers, is co the corporate is in New York. So they opened an office. I got involved very early and I became like the, back then it was, nobody called it a recruiter or an agent or a producer, but I hired um, programmers and artists and a sound guy. And we built the New York Atari office, which maybe grew to about 10 people. <clears throat> and then Atari went bust. So um, that was probably the second time it went bust. So from there, I just be, you know, became an independent and was like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is interesting. So I, that's how I started representing programmers and artists, folks in the game industry. I'll fast forward, I'll skip over the entire 80s with the WWF and Disney and, and Sesame Street all the way to what year, Jay, did we start? I mean, well, I, I started running with Scissors in 96 and Jay joined in what, 2003? Two. Two? No, at the end of 2001, like December 2001. Oh. So, I mean, and then, and we went from making kids games, educational games, what they back then they called edutainment. And the idea was to create our own IP because also my team was, you know, getting bored, making educational games, games like, you know, Doom had come out and think the whole environment was changing. Um, so we, we made the decision to create our own IP and we came up with Postal and Mike, Mike joined us after Postal 1. Mike joined us during um, the development of Postal 2. Cool, cool. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't like shift go from, to school. From, from edutainment to, to ego shooters. It's pretty interesting. So maybe you can elaborate on that. Well, Mike came on board and, you know, it's really a personality thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was beyond honored to be working with Disney. I worked with Hanna-Barbera, mm -hmm. you know, the, the creator of the Flintstones and the Jetsons. I got to meet Bill Hanna. It was like, wow. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to draw cartoons. So, you know, to me, it's always been about entertainment and gaming is, a, is something you do, you play, you enjoy. But my personal background probably was rooted in more, uh, a more darker reality and Mike was a junior version of myself, personality-wise, because in the company there was mostly uh, what what some people would consider to be, you know, the whole geeky kind of thing. And Mike J came on board. He was going to high school with my son, and you know, the my, Mike had a very strong personality, which I loved. Um, obviously, that doesn't carry over with everybody in the, a development circle, but it was a perfect match. And then we got Gary and, you know, I mean, Mike could tell you, you know, Mike took Gary Coleman out. I mean, these are stories that they're true, you know, I mean, but I can let Mike could tell you about taking Gary Coleman out. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Very curious to hear it. Well, I mean, just for me, just to go over what happened with me. I mean, I'm not sure how deep Vince got with me. I was kind of in the middle of something, but, uh, <clears throat> You know, I went to high school with Vince's son. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in 
video game college or, or going into you know anything like that. I just happened to be in a computer class with a kid who said his dad owned a video game company. So uh, one day I met him and, and, you know, we didn't really like bond or anything. He just gave me some free shit from the office, showed me around the office and his email. And I stayed in touch, but we didn't really we didn't talk much other than when I tried to get the ad on a few years later and you wanted to you wanted to take my money. But uh, <laughs> like three years after that, something like that, my brother was working at a, at a mailbox store and, and Vince's Vince's fiance at the time was his manager. And, and Vince happened to come in, see my brother somehow. They recognized my brother and they said, hey, how's Mike? Send him into the office. And so I just went to the office to just catch up. And uh, we kind of bullshitted and laughed. And and he was just like, you want to work here? And I was like, yeah, fuck my job. I don't like selling cell phones anymore. So I, uh, you know, just out of nowhere was, was all of a sudden working at this video game company that I'd been following for a while. And to me, it was like, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, this this might be a temporary thing, you know, just go fucking market this new game and and who knows where this will lead. And I don't know, you know, our story is kind of fucking crazy up and down over the last 22 years. But um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I never left and, and the company sort of became me and Vince for a long periods of time. And I mean, Gary shit, that guy was a madman i mean we definitely took him to some things we probably shouldn't have taken him to. <laughs> he uh he came to town once and we had to drive him up to this town in the middle of nowhere to check his girlfriend out of a mental institution <laughs> all right and wow. so we did but we, whatever, we didn't know that know. until we got there right he said hey can you give me a ride up to casa grand i need to go get my girlfriend and we're like sure and then we get there and he's like, hey, she's in this hospital. Do you think you guys could check her out? And I don't think he could because he wasn't a resident here or yeah. he didn't want his name on the paperwork. I don't know. We don't know. But we did well, it. And so then I like we. Yeah, well, Vince did it. Uh, we we also then proceeded to take her to a shooting range and 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 go shooting with her, which I mean, in a normal setting is probably totally fine. But. You know, this was just like us and, and the guy that ran the shooting range. And at a certain point, she kind of disappeared and we didn't know where she went. And, you know, Gary's firing this gun down range. And then over the top of the hill, this mental patient comes walking over the hill and we're like yelling at Gary to stop shooting because she's, you know, like maybe 10 feet above his horizon view. And, wow. and then she starts walking down the hill towards the, the target. And then right. she slips and falls. She slips and falls and starts sliding down this 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 hill. And I have to like run up and grab Gary to get him to stop shooting. Whoa. And okay. and and like she did not end up getting shot. Um, but I did I, I did take them out to a bar that night. Yeah. And and she was such a lunatic. She was like, you know, she's out with Gary Coleman, who like you know. He's a nice guy, but it's Gary Coleman. And she was one of those people that wanted to talk to everybody. So she was like hitting on every single guy that walked by her and not like in a cute way, like getting in their face like this close and being like, hi. And Gary started getting so pissed off that yeah. this was happening. And then at the same time, every person is coming up to Gary and asking for a picture. 
And he had like these rules, like no flash. I'll take a picture with you, but no flash. And every time a flash would go off, you would just see him like starting to shake and get mad. And he ended up like blowing up and storming out of the bar. And we were like, whatever, you know, we're having a good time. And then someone from the front of the bar starts yelling that somebody's jumping up and down on top of a car. So I go running outside of the bar and Gary Coleman is standing on top of a BMW, like not our car. And he's just jumping up and down, screaming and yelling in the darkness outside. And I like go running out. I'm like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? And he's like, I told that guy, no flash. I don't know why that girl's hitting on every guy here. And I was just like, oh, man, well, you brought a mental patient to a bar. Like, I don't know what you think's going to happen. And you're taking pictures with people like, yeah, they don't know how to work their camera either. So flashes are going to happen. And he did calm down. But like all these people had gathered outside and now they're taking photos and videos and they're laughing. And like, you know, it was kind of cool to walk into a bar with Gary Coleman, but it was not very cool to walk out of a bar with Gary Coleman when he threw that temper tantrum. Now, mind you, like I hung out with him a lot and he was a very nice guy. And he was very, like, caring. And he really did like that he was in the product. And we had a lot of fun. But, you know, just like us, he's kind of a mani- he was kind of a maniac. So we definitely had some maniac stories with Gary Coleman. He tried to kick me in the balls one time at a bar. And luckily, I used to wear pretty baggy pants. So it just hit the bottom of my pants. And I didn't go down. He, That's uh, interesting. She really reminds me of my former girlfriend. Greetings. <laughs> There you go. I guess you were dating a mental patient too. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, yeah, yeah. Maybe we like the same kind of women. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. So, um, these mad stories are they a kind of inspiration for for your games? Life at all? Mad life at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everything that happens in your life is something that 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 affects what you're going to write down. Yeah. I mean, look, like Vince and myself are not the lead designers on our game, but we do yeah. have a lot of input. And like the things that we write down and, and and laugh about tend to make it into products in some form. That doesn't yeah. mean they they will. But like, you know, just like anything else in your life, you know, all of your stories will impact your thoughts later on. So. Yeah, yeah. You ever been thinking about doing a kind of um, add-on for for Postal, like a kind of a mad girlfriend episode or something like this? <laughs> well, I mean, he already had the crazy bitch wife and he had to fucking fight her in Paradise Lost. <laughs> so sort of, yeah. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> you know, I, I think just to kind of put a little perspective on this, because we had been making... Well, I had been making for a very long time children's oriented games. And then when we came to Tucson, we continued doing that. When it was decided to create our own original game, I drew on reality. And I, I was really, you know, to me, it was like zombies, aliens, monsters. I find all that shit boring personally, because the way where I grew up, it was a different generation. I mean, I like some horror movies, but classic things from like Hitchcock. Um, you know, I my my generation goes long before Star Wars and what's so popular today. So the idea that it would be rooted in reality, you know, the, we we made the character anonymous, the postal dude, 
who is just a real person living in a real world, going through a lot of shit. That's real life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. a lot of things, like even in Postal One, um, the town, of, the original town, was was based on towns here in, in Arizona. Uh, the Air Force base at the end of the game. There's a real Air Force base here. The ostrich farm. There's a real ostrich farm. Um, the the you know the <clears throat> excuse me, the the level with uh, you know the trailer homes. That especially back then, that was very much Americana Arizona, you know, in the '90s. So it was just I don't want to say easy, but a very natural uh, evolution. And then, you know, obviously that was Postal 1, the add-on, et cetera. And then when we got to Postal 2, we had made the decision to make it uh, more humorous, if you will. And that was the, the, the idea when we got Gary involved. So, and again, even in Postal 2, the dude's in a trailer. He's got the fat bitch wife. You know, she tells him, go on these errands. I mean, in Champ, for instance, Champ was, oh, Champ's buried in my in the yard here. I, I live in what we call the postal house. Um, so champ's real, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, uh, he's gone now, but you know, so there's a lot of reality in the game. Cool. 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 So, um, inspired by reality, not by uh, fantasy. Yeah. I, I, for me, yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So, um, You um, made Postal One as an uh, isometric shooter first, yeah. Uh, so, but I think it was Postal Two that really took off, yeah. Is it right? That was really like kind of a super hit. Uh, what what took you to the decision to make Postal Two uh, to do it as a as a first person shooter, not uh, or as an isometric shooter? What was your decision behind this? Well, basically. One was simply to do change, yeah. Okay? yeah, and because that's just the way I am, and we like I, I'm, I don't know, I get bored fast. But yeah. the other thing was by that time, first-person shooters had dominated everything. Yeah, definitely. And that was so while you know, the, <clears throat> while there are many are RPG-type games that were isometric or you know top-down. Uh, It just was a natural thing. Okay, we'll, we'll you know, Postal 2 will be, a, you know, first-person shooter. Cool. And that was really that simple. Amazing, amazing. So, um, yeah, I remember when Postal 2 came out in Germany, it was uh, pretty scandalous. It was uh, the 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 game that was um, named the most dangerous game of our time in Germany because Germany was always very... Um, sensible regarding first person shooters they are calling well you, you do know just just so you know like a postal one and postal two are on the german index but we <laughs> we tried to appeal that decision last year i mean we yeah. tried to we hired a law firm and and we've gone through the entire process and we were completely railroaded and lost 12 to zero in the hearing like last year not 15 years ago like they don't wow. index games very often anymore and a bunch of games get removed and the, and the law firm we hired is like 
they, that's what they specialize in. And they were sure it was going to happen. And they told us we're, we're not worried. And then they would go into the hearing and all it took was one guy standing up and, and just completely grandstanding and, and nobody wow. voted against him. So, you know, he was as of right now, yeah. And as of right now, postal four is not indexed. Postal brain damage is not indexed. Okay. And that's nice, but like, we don't, <laughs> We don't sort of move forward thinking that that's gonna gonna last forever, right? Like they know about us, they know who we are, they know what we're doing, and yeah. you know things like the, the postal redux port for Switch, like that can't be sold in Europe because Nintendo of Europe is based in Germany, and because postal is on the index, Nintendo's not allowed to profit from it. Therefore, yes. they cannot sell it in all of Europe, which is crazy, right? Like, that's yep. crazy. That's like, totally crazy. I think the guys uh, in charge here in Germany, they really hate you somehow because <laughs> uh, they really remember you probably from 20 years ago, what you did with Postal 2. And um, here in Germany, Postal 2 is like kind of um, when you tell um, people about these these nasty killer games they first think about postal 2 <laughs> and uh, and so postal 2 is a kind of a uh, name here in germany still and um well you you'd think that i understand what they thought they were trying to do but like yeah. all the research suggests that violent media and violent video games don't actually make people do anything and they're clearly not listening to any of that which is funny oh. because germany is a relatively science forward country as that's a whole. true actually yeah that's yeah. really true i mean i right. played i played uh, duke nukem 3d and doom as a kid also even though i was too young to play it from the law but honestly what did we do as kids uh, on school we got like um a 14 disc span zip file That's yep. that, and then we put it on the computer in the classroom and played it in the free hours. So, well, I mean, no? this also, you're right, like the Streisand effect is, is massive, right? Like, you ban yeah. something or you talk about it, and everybody's going to find a way to do it. There's just no way around it. And I mean, look, there <laughs> clearly Nintendo players can't play postal redux on their German switches. I mean, there are, there are mild ways around that, but they're very hard to do. Computer games, if you ban them, people are just going to pirate them. Like, they're going to play it. It's going to happen no matter what True. you want it, what True. you do. So, yeah. the, you know, like anything else, the best thing you can do <laughs> is not ban it. Is just, yeah. you know, <laughs> make sure yeah. your kids are intelligent and they know the difference between right and wrong yeah. and, and whatever. So. That True. is exactly exactly what happened. Uh, I think uh, Postal 2 was... Uh, completely banned here in Germany, but we all had it in school back then. And uh, of course, talking about and it was the thing 20 years ago. Well, and, and for us, for us, it's like <clears throat> it's a really big deal that it's banned yeah. in Germany because Germany is one of our top three countries in the world. Yeah. Users wise. And so like financially, it's a it's a really, really hard pill to swallow for us that we lost yeah. that hearing because You know, we've obviously gotten by all these years without it, but like it's it's a lot of money on the table. And, you know, we're not just in this for the money, but you have to make money to keep doing these kinds of things. And and when we lose out on one of our top three countries, it's, you know, it's a lot of money every month that we could be putting back into making more games. 
Definitely, definitely. So you will probably go for reappeal at <coughs> at some point in the future and try to try again to get it removed from the index. Well, I guess. so the first the first postal is is probably falling off the index here <coughs> within the next right. But fair. but falling off of the index does not mean that you are immediately legal. You still have to have a hearing, and I mean. It's it's not that having the hearings isn't worth it for us. We need to try, but at this point, it's it's just burning cash because sending a lawyer to to prepare a statement when we're just going to get railroaded by people is is really is really tough. It's a tough decision to make. Like we want our games to be available to everybody, and there's only so much we can do. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the realities that. <clears throat> have had to adjust to and even going forward we were told the committee was there was a very elderly man and he was negative he's been around well the committee runs on a cycle it's for so many years and then the personnel changes but i think until we have a generational change until we have people on the committee that play video games have enjoyed video games and also a little more open-minded as like Mike was saying, when you look at the science and this is now proven beyond any doubt, there have been studies done in Denmark, in Norway, in US, I could go in, in Japan, I could, in the UK, on and on and on. Video games is a cathartic experience. It is an enjoyable, it's, it, and it, it just is. Now, of course, like anything else, if you let your kid play for 24 hours like they did in Korea and the kid drops dead, well, that's that's crazy, okay? But generally speaking, for the the large majority of, of, of the human race, you, video games are entertaining. And it's been proven games that have uh, violent content, they, it, it, it's not what they've tried to pan it to be. But basically, in summary, what you have is if you've got a bunch of people in their 70s and 80s evaluating, it's it's a very political thing. It's not based on science. It's not based on what the you know your German population wants. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I wish everybody a long life to 100, but I do look forward to when the committee is grounded in a, a, a more current sense of reality. Um, yeah. So, you know, but we don't stop. We look, last year was 25 years. This is our first year Postal 4 is coming out on console and it is a, it is a major Postal title and it is our current title. You know, when the original Postal remade as Postal Redo got picked up by of everyone, Nintendo was the first you know, first party console uh, vendor. They put it on Switch, and then uh, they, then that got ported over. Oh, excuse me, over to, to PlayStation. So that was all a big surprise to us. I but also really, read you know, that last year it was posted even to the Dreamcast. Yes, we had, that was in a limited limited run, but yeah, it was on Dreamcast. I you know thank you for reminding me. It's a good point. So you you know we really kind of. I was telling the team the other day, and most of the team 
Well, we've got a, a fair amount of us over 10 years, 15 years uh, in, in running with scissors. What we have been able to accomplish being in business 25 years with a single brand as it has evolved, as it has grown, the postal community has grown into millions. I mean, I'm beyond very proud of the product, of the team, of everyone that's worked on it. But also, I mean, I always talk about online on social media, I will refer to, we, I often say we have the greatest fans in gaming. And I will tell you, yes, I know Doom has more fans and, and Call of Duty has more fans, blah, blah, blah. But we have a, a love relationship. And it, I, beyond honored, it's, it's so humbling. And I, I, I just can never say thank you enough. So here we are. I mean, look, this Tuesday, what is today? Today's Friday? Holy shit. Today's <laughs> Friday. Tuesday's March 21st. Boom. Place, you know, PlayStation 4 and 5. And, you you know, you buy it once and you get both versions. So that's that's this Tuesday. And I, I just see from, you know, communicating every day with fans, the interest is there. It's rising. Some people even ask, like, is it true? Is it really coming out? You know, because people have wanted Postal on console for a really long time. So yeah. we're we're here. We're here. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So the next step for Postal, like conquering consoles. Well, you know, right now, Postal 4 from early, you know, the, the early access release last April and on PC, and now here we are about to break out on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've always done and we are doing and we will continue to do is we support our, our work. And we get feedback from the fans. We make, obviously, fixes is an automatic thing. But people have suggestions. And the thing is, it's that intimacy we have with the, with the community that and there's a mutual respect. We keep delivering because that's what we, who we are, what we believe in. And the community has responded because, look, there's a lot of com big companies, right, with big games. They put something out, they cash in, and whether or not it evolves or continues or gets supported, that's a whole big question. It's what we do, though. I mean, look, we actually have, what's it in April, Jay? Uh, we have a major update coming for Postal 2. I mean, uh -oh. should I be saying that? I mean, it's a little... Well, yeah, hard. no, I mean, it's it's the 20th anniversary next month, so um, we're, we're putting out some updates. You know, number one is getting the game a green check mark on Steam Deck, which it runs well anyway, but we had to fix Ooh. a little thing. Wow. Back. Um, but the major update is we're incorporating the X patch, which is a big fan-made patch that fixed and improved a lot of things within the game. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so 20 years after the release, you're coming up with an update. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at, at the end of the day, right, like we he we're here selling Postal 4, we're making all these new games, blah, 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 Postal Brain Damage, but Postal 2 is still our bread and butter. I mean, we still make plenty of money on that annually. We still sell a ridiculous number of copies every month and every year of Postal yeah. 2 on Steam. And, and no, you don't owe people anything that bought your game for a dollar 20 years later. 
but to us, we do. I mean, it, it's it's the game that made us, and it's the game that's still making us today. So it's worth spending time and effort to make it better and and get it working on newer things. Now that said, the number one request I get every single day is, "Why did you not make Postal Two for consoles? Why can't you port this to PlayStation?" Blah. I mean, really, it's it's endless. Um, believe me, we want nothing more than Postal Two to be on PlayStation. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not possible for us to port that game to consoles. It would have to be completely remade from scratch. And while that is what Postal 4 started as, um, as a project, we, we migrated over to Postal 4. But we do hope in the future to go back to a remake of Postal 2 for, for consoles. So that is the hope. That sounds pretty cool. So you're planning to, to port uh, Postal over also on Switch or other consoles? No, I mean... There is no porting, but um, when we remake Postal 2, the goal is that it will be on at least PlayStation 4 and 5 because that's the, the console that approves us, number one. Number two, we'd like it to be um, on Switch if possible. The problem is, A, <clears throat> it's a lot of work getting it to run on there, which is not a problem. But when <laughs> when it won't be for sale because half of the world can't legally sell the game because Germany has banned the product. So a remake of Postal 2 is not available in Germany. It's still banned in Germany. That's why Postal Redux is not for sale on Switch in Europe because Postal 1 is still banned in Germany. So a remake of Postal 2 would still be banned in Germany, which is makes it very hard for us to spend the time and money to get the game working on switch when you know half the world won't be able to sell your game i see yeah okay so let's hope uh, the decision for banning in germany might change in the future that and germany is so open-minded so liberal in some ways i just kind yeah. of strange i mean you guys yeah, got very weird prostitution is legal right uh yeah it's legal yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they call it prostitution. I don't know. Women working. They don't call it prostitution here anymore. They call it um, sex work. Girlfriend, girlfriend service. Girlfriend um, service. Yeah. yeah. But but if I'm not mistaken, it's not legal since a long time. It's just uh, since a couple of years ago. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Before it That's was crazy. more in the gray area, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hum, legal, hum, was, I thought it was legal was in seventy-two. Yeah, was <laughs> center of prostitution, if you know that it it, it still is. And um, so, when you've been to Hamburg, you've been also to Reeperbahn, yeah, probably. I don't remember. Yeah, but I went to sure. I went to a who house in Frankfurt. Ah, okay. Uh, Frankfurt is also big in prostitution, I think. And actually, well, I mean, I don't know. It's, It was it was very interesting, but I don't know if uh, I don't know. It, it didn't seem illegal. It was pretty easy, you know. It was just well, like I like I said, gray area. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, interestingly, it actually happened to me once because for half a year I was um, helping out with a, with an exhibition in the Frankfurt Film Museum, film and games where Nintendo and all those big publishers took part. And in the evening, 
I I um, walked into the wrong street back to the ma main um, central railway station. And every two minutes I was asked like, hey, do you want to come in? We have nice girls. I'm like, yeah, no, I just want to catch the train. I'm sorry. <laughs> but every why don't you, two why minutes. Don't you catch, why don't you catch a girl and the train? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, perhaps that would have been better. So I, I now I know which street you, you have to go into if you want to have the easy girls in Frankfurt, even <laughs> without planning to know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Unbelievable. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that that's um, interesting that you mention um, it would be near to impossible to uh, port the original portal to the switch. I remember something like that um, was also said about Doom and then panic button came up and ported Doom to the switch. You know? Yeah, well, it's not that it's not that Postal 2 couldn't have work done to make it work on these things. But the biggest problem with Postal 2 overall is that it's it barely functions properly on computers. What I would like to say is it's held together with sticks and glue. Um, <laughs> that that build of Unreal that we used was really, really, really fucked up. We overly abused the physics engine like crazy. <clears throat> and there are crashes that happen because of the physics engine that we actually can't fix because the company that made the physics engine is out of business and wow. there is no there is no um, source code for that that we can get at all. So, I mean, yeah, if we wanted to spend tons of money, we could potentially upgrade the physics engine, but then you're trying to incorporate a new physics engine into a into a game that was made in 2003 on an engine from 2003 and the engine itself can't even be upgraded because well it just can't be upgraded to unreal 4 that's why all of that work that could maybe work would be easier to do if we just remade the game now that's not an easy process either but awesome. and, when, and when we make when we embark on remaking Postal 2, as in Postal 2 Redo, the idea would be to be absolutely loyal to the game, but use all the new technology. You see what I'm saying? So in other words, we're not going to change levels or anything in the game. We, we, you know, we want it to be uh, as close as possible to 100% identical, call it upgrade, update. Uh, we're all obviously taking advantage of that it's, you know, 2023. Uh, that's the key because, you know, we had one of you alluded earlier about Postal 2 being the, the game that became the big hit. You got to remember, Postal 1 was a hit when it came out, when it was announced, and when it came out for the first two weeks. Then the governments got involved and everything got banned mm. and all kinds of shit hit the fan. So it never had the opportunity to to become a, a, a big commercial success. Postal 2, somewhat similar, but the difference was it by that time, we had already had an established identity 
and there was an audience and Postal 2, because I, I believe the popularity of first person shooters, Gary Coleman, the, the whole maniacal approach and the humor that we infused, let's face it, some, you know, the urinating, okay? Um, <laughs> this is a beautiful thing, you know? I mean, people all around the world love it. Uh, and now, I mean, I gotta, I gotta just say, because I'm so excited about for Tuesday, the Dilbo in Postal 4. I just, you know, I mean, I even tell relatives that are old and don't game and they're like, oh, your game's coming out. You know, what, did anything new? And I, you know, try telling some older lady relative about the Dilbo. You know, it, it's it's just a beautiful thing. So, I mean, what could I, I, this to me, see, it's things like this, I think that keep the brand alive. You know, we used to talk about uh, freshen, you know, you got to refresh, refresh that whole thing, especially in the early days of the internet. And, you know, you got to have, you got to update weekly, update weekly, fucking look at TikTok. I mean, you can't, you can't even update by the minute. Okay. But there was a time on the internet where updating weekly was a goal. Okay. Yeah. Well, here we have changed so much and I, I, I really all comes back to living and breathing who you are, what you do, what you love and being in touch with your audience. And I, and I look, I thank you guys for inviting us to be part of your podcast yeah. because you give us an opportunity to just, you know, openly be who we are and share our stories. Um, you know, unlike a lot of, you know, mainstream media or even the game media, I mean, you know, I, I, I used to go good nuts over when somebody, you know, the guy's, uh, he loves racing games, doesn't play shooters at all. And he's going to review Postal 2 and, or Postal 4. And he says he doesn't like it. Oh, fucking jerk off. You, haven't, <laughs> you, don't, you don't play Call of Duty. You don't play, you don't play anything in the genre, true, you know? And the, and the same applies. If you take somebody that's, uh, it, that's, that's in love with the uh, GTA, it, all, all the that genre, and you tell them uh, go review a puzzle game. Well, that's not fair to the puzzle developer. True, true. He doesn't know the intricacies of a puzzle game. You know all that kind. Of, and but again, that's that's because the media is a business, and you know I used to say, you know, the media is mostly made up of people that couldn't get a job as a producer. So they became, you know, that's it. So I mean, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned it. At the beginning, you said it's very important for you that you did this IP, this um, game series for so long, for over 20 years. I mean, just two days ago, we spoke to Frank Lepacki, you know? Um, and when, when, when I talk to my gaming friends who are in their 30s or 20s, what is who is Frank Lepecky? What is Command and Conquer? So if you don't if you don't um, do maintenance on your on your IP and release successors every every couple of years, people forget about it. You know, it's yeah. it's really like um, I'm like okay, you are in your 30s, but how can you not know Frank Klepecki and Command and Conquer? It was a big hit, yeah, in 1995, right? You know, so that's the thing. And um, so 
I'm really glad to see that you don't kill off your IP like like EA did with Command and Conquer, just to just to uh, to give you a negative example how you can kill kill um, a very successful game series by just by just saying okay we are not releasing any titles anymore and then people forget about it you know well it's That's a it. generational thing um if you look at music as an example of another form of entertainment right which is obviously somewhat passive um you we we was the other day we, jay and i were talking there was a recently a report We've got a deal in the works with another company to do a vinyl, okay, of the Postal uh, soundtracks over the years. And I was reading reports, something like, like last year, 2022, vinyl did like $47 million, I think, something like that. CD sales, which granted CD sales are, you know, that's in the past. But the point is you have vinyl, 47 million, and I think CD sales was like 39 million or something. So you have people uh, today have a hunger, younger people have a hunger for that which was nostalgic or that was popular in the 60s. Um, just the same way you see fashion has a way of, you know, revolving. Uh, it, it's the music, look, I, I mean, you guys are a lot younger than me, but mm -hmm. I couldn't name half, the, half the, the groups out today, but the Beatles are forever popular, okay? Um, sure. It's just the way it is. Elvis is forever popular. So is Frank Sinatra. You know, you can, I mean, it, you have young people getting into, you, you know, old genres of music because they want to discover what their parents liked. Or, you know, it's like the Americana thing. I mean, there's always been this fascination, at least with American culture. I don't know about today because we're off the fucking charts, but, you, you know, there was always this, like, we used to go to Russia a lot. Um, right, if you've been to Japan, you know, these, every other society kind of mimics the Americana and then they put their own twist on it, which is a beautiful thing. So the same thing in gaming, if you don't allow, if you don't feed the original creativity, yeah, there's a strong likelihood it's, you know, it will just pass because everything needs to be fed. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's just the way it is, you know, so. That's really interesting. So um, are you planning to um, make another Postal Games after Postal 4? Well, I right now with Postal 4, we've got a, a list of all the things we want to do. Uh, now I'm not talking about improvements, you know, maintenance, that's, that's automatic. But I'm talking about things like co-op, you know, things that we want to do. Um, so we've we've probably got a good full year's worth of work mm -hmm. before we have postal for where we want it to be. Simultaneously, um, hopefully, maybe by the, excuse me, by the end of summer, we're going to have uh, the very early preliminary stages of what we'll do next. But I do see, as Mike said earlier. You know, as we as we evaluate the landscape, you know, Postal Four is being accepted. It's 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 growing. That going back has its own danger. You know, it's like maybe we should remake Postal Two and call it Postal Five. You know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and then 
You know, maybe it's postal two plus postal three equals postal five. I don't know. Sounds legit. Yeah, okay, Mike is shaking head. It's not going to happen. (laughs) I learned a long time ago to never, that that whole idea of saying never say never. I put it this way, guys, if you asked me, if you asked me 25 years ago, I would have never thought that I'd spend the next 25 years of my life involved with the postal universe. I mean, look, Uwe Boll, your, you know, uh, the 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 renowned, roy, the you know the royalty of German filmmaking, Uwe Boll, he made a movie. Now we have another another group of independent filmmakers. They're putting together a documentary about the company and Postal. Um, might be out hopefully before the end of this year. I mean, you know, a Postal vinyl, a Postal comic. Uh, it, it's it really took off on its own. It's because, a life. It's a life and kicking. Wow. You know, Mike J and I, we enjoyed traveling and going to shows and having a lot of fun and doing a lot of crazy shit. You know, partying and blah blah blah. But it's not like we're some formal corporate entity that sits around a boardroom and reports to people or stockholders. And we, you know, we don't say what's the three-year plan, what's the marketing plan. There is no fucking plan. Okay. Good. The, the plan is we wake up and like all good men, you know, we, well, oh, I should say all these days I'll get in trouble, but what's the goal for today? Okay. Have fun, you know, have a great meal, get blown. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the basics, you know, I'm a very simple guy. I, you know, people try to make things complicated. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Sounds awesome. good. Sounds really good. Uh, sounds really authentic. And um, this is something I expect from people making crazy games like Postal. If if you would say like we are corporate people sitting on a table and making some charts, that would be somehow ridiculous. And I really expect. I mean, we to- still we still do that shit. We just don't do yeah. it like as our daily driver. Like we still yeah. have to do we still have to do accounting and projections <laughs> and sales reports. And- yeah. All that yeah. boring shit, but all right. So it's good to hear you partying and um, being crazy men, and um, this is something I expect from people who are behind postal. It's just it gets back, I think, to if you are, if you know who you are, and you and you're happy, you just do. You see what I'm saying? And I, I and I'm speaking to the young people today that'll be listening to your to your this podcast or even you know your your future shows. I mentor a lot of young people. And I always tell them, if it feels good, do it. You know, Very and good. you know, I kind of live by that golden rule or the cardinal rule, you know, reciprocity, the old the, the, you know. If people would just be a little nice, just imagine if people every day decided, I'm going to be positive. You could change the world. You could change the world. I mean, I mean, generally, I never listen to people. When we started this podcast uh, nine years ago, 
people were like, yeah, you should focus on a certain topic and don't water it down and be careful talking to this person and that person. We don't give a damn, you know, we just talk to people. I mean, we had all kinds of people on the podcast. You know, if we had the voice, I mean, we had Charles Martinet, the voice actor of Super Mario, you know, woohoo, you know, <laughs> and, and now we are talking to you, Vince and Mike, you Ooh. know, and, and two days earlier, we had Frank Lepacki. And, and uh, three years ago, we, we had uh, David Fox, you know, talking about adventure games. We talked to, to anybody, basically, you know, and that's, it's, that's it's, it's, it's really important to, to preserve the stories. Because coming forward, people might forget about it, you know, and and that or, shouldn't or, happen. Or ban, or, ban, or ban you from talking about it. So, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> that actually surprises me. We are still not banned in Russia for whatever reasons. <laughs> Your podcast Same. in Russia. Yeah, yeah. The podcast is also on on all the uh, Russian fronts like Yandex and we contacted and so on. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's not ba- it's not banned in Russia. It's not banned. No, oh, it's not. Not. Banned. Not. Is postal is postal banned in Russia? Do you know? No, no. We no, no, a, no, no. You know, there was a time. When actually somebody in Russia said to me, we did a lot, we did a lot of visits to Russia and a lot of media. I forgot who it was or when, but they said, you know, that Postal is the GTA of Russia. <laughs> wow, cool. Well, because yeah. early, you know, in the early 2000s, whatever, most Russians, uh, you know, younger people, gamers, they built their own, they had computers, they built their own computers. Um, they did, and to this day, there's not a large console market in Russia. So, because we were on PC and we really espoused Americana, you know, they're more rooted in reality. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Russian Russian community just took a, a a liking to us, and we went there. I don't know a lot of over about 10 years, we were there constantly at shows. It was great. I mean, let me tell you, you know this whole sad reality going on with the war the people are good people you know the people of ukraine are good people the people of russia are good people i've always said i i've been to a lot of countries i've never been to a country where the people were bad okay never yeah, yeah. you know but the leaders whether you would regardless of whether your leaders are you know this way or that way the fucking people in charge they're the problem You know, yeah. not 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 the people. I mean, we've we've had some beautiful stories, in you know, all around the world with, with folks. I mean, re- really, really good stuff. I mean, even look here, you come here. Most Americans are good. I don't. I wouldn't say you know, America definitely has a more diverse society. I mean, you know, it's it's you can't even every day it's something new, but by and large, you know, I'm from New York. You go to people say, oh, New York is a New Yorkers are cold. Uh, New Yorkers are rude. We're not fucking rude. We just, you know, if if you ask me a question and the answer is no, I'm going to tell you no. That's not rude. That's honest. That's direct. I mean, you go yeah. to other places. I mean, I could give you an example. You go to L.A., Los Angeles. The, the, nobody will ever tell you no. They'll jerk you off forever. 
You know, it's just a different mindset. You know, it's just, a, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, it's you know, sometimes we'll be doing an interview, Mike J and I, and somebody will say to us, wow, you guys are different than other developers we've interviewed. Well, you know, aside from that, maybe Mike J and I show up with hot broads and with that, you know, we, we, we just, this is it. You know, this is this, what you see is what you get. What you hear is real. That's cool. important. That's very, yeah, sure. That's very good. Bring back the postal babes. Michael told me, yeah. later. oh God. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's pretty good to say, to hear that, um, you guys stayed authentic and who you are and uh, not uh, became some um, some uh, high above uh, corporate suits. And um, I'm really happy to hear that the people behind Postal are crazy guys. I don't consider ourselves crazy. I mean, do we, you know, do we enjoy life and, uh, yeah. but you know, to me, crazy is people that don't live Crazy people. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, they're the ones that are fucking sick. You know, people that yeah. just listen to everything, read it. You know, no, we're we're. I can say, look, a lot of people would would think Mike Jay's off off his rocker for an old expression. <laughs> I think he's very normal. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's you know very normal. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Really good. It's really wow. Good. So, uh, well, thanks for taking the time today. This is really wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us. Listen, all, fan, all your fans fan, all around the world. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Ha wake up. Have the best day of your life. Right. And if you haven't buy postal, if, if you're in Germany and you haven't bought postal for, do it now because you never know what the do next day now. will hold. You <laughs> never know what the next day will hold. Yeah, it's definitely. actually interesting that you mention it because that's exactly what happened in 2003 with Generals Command and Conquer. I yeah. remember when Command and Conquer was released, I mean, this was pre-internet days. I told my father, go to the electronic market and buy it now, please. And, and two weeks later, it was on the index and has been renamed to Generale because of the Iraqi war. They had to change the game. Yeah. 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 Yep. Just two weeks later. So I'm one of the few people that still has the un, um, unchanged um, original generals version for Germany. <laughs> so oh, that's really true. Really true. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. That was fun. Perfect. Thank you. All right, gotta go. Dumb. Thanks, guys. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Talk to, you, talk to you later, Jay. All right. Cool. cool. Very good. I gotta yes. tell you, I am beyond blessed to have him. I know the kid since he's around whatever. He came to my office. He was 17, 18. I hired him, I guess, when he was 20. And I I I just, you know. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Vince. Very, awesome. Very Thanks so uh, much for being our guest. Yeah, listen, anytime you ever guys got a question. Hey, I see an arcade machine in the background there. Spark. Yes. We used to have the Robotron machine in wow. my old office, which is what the original Postal, when we decided, I don't know if you're familiar with Robotron, 
it yes, was a uh, you know top down just little robots running around the screen i mean you had a all you had to do was shoot and run shoot and run that was it that was the um the early inspiration for making because when I, when talking with my team i said look i said i just want to have an anonymous person i just want them to run around in different levels of reality i just wanted them to be shoot you know shoot and kill that's it you know and and people got carried away with the word kill is too sensitive of a word do you do you, do you know what i mean they they don't understand yeah. i mean just look at a you know quentin tarantino movie how many people get killed i mean you know it's it's all relative but i always say we we make games we play games for fun if it's not fun don't play i mean why you know the whole essence of a game is something you play you play yeah. since you're right to have fun when you get older you're addicted to gambling maybe you play you know because that's another another story but that's that's another story all right listen guys you guys have a super weekend okay same to yeah. you boss of pleasure have a nice bye. day good weekend you. god bless bye. Thank you. you too bye bye god bless to everybody bye -bye. in germany god bless bye <laughs> bye